love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Alyssa Gadeski. It was a huge weekend, Alyssa, in the triathlon world and also in your world. Um, I believe you were doing a lot of running this past weekend. So before we get to all of our triathlon news, tell me about your weekend. How was the Backbone Trail? Do I have that right? Yes, Haley, you got it right. So I was helping coach um, one of our camps and this was a new camp for us. So it was super exciting. It was like a brainchild of mine that I've had now for a bit. And I've been asking Hillary, like, can we do a trail running camp? Can we do a trail running camp? I, you know, cause I coach a lot of runners only and people who have kind of gravitated away from Ironman and like moving more onto trail adventures and other things. And so, um, yeah, I, the backbone trail is a trail just outside of Santa Monica in LA and it's, uh, 68 or so miles from point to point and it was really cool so over three days we traversed the entire thing um and we did 25 miles the first day 22 or so the second day and then just over 20 on the last day and there was a lot of elevation in there like 6,000 feet of elevation gain I think the first day around like 5,000 the second day and then maybe around three for the last day and it was so cool. So point to point running is like really, really fun in general. Um, you know, so every morning people kind of met at the finish, we shuttled to the beginning and then you just had nothing to do all day except for walk and run on this gorgeous, gorgeous trail. Um, it was really fun. So admittedly, Haley, I'm like a bit of a trail snob at times and East coast trails are my favorite, right? Like East coast, beast coast is like a thing trail runners out there say, um, I know West Coast, Best Coast is probably like how people will retaliate with that. But um, West Coast trails are just not my, like, if I'm going to race, I'm never going to do as well racing West Coast trails because they are just very fast. They're very runnable. They're not as technical. It's like very fast running happens on the trails. Whereas in the East Coast, you have to be a little bit stronger on some technical stuff. It's like way more rocky and rooty and things at times. So um, and just different, like just a very different. So admittedly, I've always like been like, ah, the West Coast trails are nice, but they're just not the same. And I have to say the Backbone Trail did change my opinion. We got to see so many different terrains. It was a technical at times. It was like super smooth at times, some fire roads, all sorts of things. But it was just really fun to get to catch up with a lot of folks. We had, I think, 17. So it wasn't even a women's only camp. And I will say the only people who threw their hats in the ring were women. So we had this fantastic group of 17 women ranging in age from like early 30s to their 60s. And we got people through the 68 miles together. It was, you know, I have this theory that like, when you are spending miles and miles together on trails, just with nothing to do, right? You solve world problems and you also form these bonds that like will forever kind of keep you with these people. And it was a really special weekend. So I have to say that yesterday you we ran, ran down to the finish and you literally descend from the mountains to the ocean. And it's just like you're seeing these ocean views in the last 5K or so and the fog had lifted it was like nice and clear and sunny and i was like oh this is like this is nice california trails have have maybe you know jumped up a little bit on my um my trail rankings <laughs> Alyssa Gadeski's trail ranking um it was so it was really really cool um i'm very tired <laughs> it was you know um it was a long weekend of just like packed in miles and chatting and eating of course and then yeah just keeping everything running along but I um yeah I'm I'm so happy it was really fun uh just one of those weekends that makes me sad that it's over but um I'm already you know wheels are turning for the next one yeah would you do the same trail again or maybe you're gonna find another trail that's uh similar like length and maybe slightly maybe you could do an east coast version <laughs> yeah i mean we have we've talked through a lot of different options and i think 
this one lends itself really well because it is just, you know, it's, it's doable in length and, um, you know, kind of abilities for a wide range of people to tackle. Um, we've talked about maybe we would reverse the direction and give people the opportunity to run it the opposite way, maybe another time, that sort of thing. So we're not sure. We're just still at the point where we're letting this one soak in and enjoy all of that before, before figuring it out. But there will be, there will be more trail running camps in the future. So stay tuned, folks. Cool. New thing. Um, that, that is kind of fun and great for this time of year, especially when you have that nice fall weather and, um, and I'm glad it went so well. That is great. What, wait, what world problems? I mean, are you all responsible for the infrastructure bill finally passing? (laughs) I think so. I think we, we sent up a prayer for that one or something along the way. (laughs) Um, no, but I mean, it's just the same old thing, right? It's like, you come and you you literally are going to be with these the women in your group that day for the next right I don't know six hours eight hours however long it's going to take you that day to go the twenty some miles and so I think we talk about everything under the sun and there's no topics off off limits and I will say probably what happens on the backbone trail stays on the backbone trail in that sense so I'm not going to air anyone's um problems but just know it's it's safe to say that uh you know, life problems and world problems we kind of came to terms with throughout the three days. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like wait for Aaron Rodgers to come out and say he was vaccinated because he heard from Alyssa Gadeski on the no, map one trail. <laughs> this does, this, I know, right? Um, this does though remind me that we, we did have a celebrity sighting out there. Mm, um, Haley. We saw Reggie Miller the basketball player who I think a former basketball player I'm reading off of Wikipedia played with the Indiana Pacers. He was mountain biking Haley. So we like did this first climb on day one and he was up there just, you know, hanging out on his mountain bike. He like cheered some of the women on and then he was just kind of up there waiting as like the group was coming through so that they could ride down the trail so then by the time I got up there, you know, I was just like witnessing this Instagram shoot basically at the top of the climb over this cool little overlook. And admittedly, I had no idea who Reggie Miller is. So I was like, oh, look at these bros just like gramming on the top of the climb. <laughs> Wait, so they were just taking pictures with each other. It wasn't like your group correct, was like, correct. Oh, they were just taking Reggie, pictures. Well, take the, a photo yeah, with me. No. So, but, but Taryn, Taryn Spates. Um, she, she was the one who, I think most of us were like, oh, there's, these dudes are just up here, like literally gramming and, you know, we're like, oh, cool mountain bikers, whatever. But Taryn recognized. And so then she tagged him in her Instagram post that day and he commented and he said, great work, ladies, strong arm emoji. So I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. As like, as far as the big, this kind of goes into like the big big weekend that it was my sister in the New York city marathon. And she told me that she had a celebrity sighting. She saw like in the, in the final meters of that race in the crowd, she saw the guy who played the friend in how to lose a guy in 10 days. (laughs) I'm also like, wait a second. I like, don't even remember. I, it's been a little while since I saw that movie. And I was like, how in the world would you recognize Matthew McConaughey's friend or the I think so I think Matthew McConaughey's friend okay okay I have a visual yeah. on him I feel like he was also played the friend role in like she's just not that into you or something like all of my favorite rom-com types of type of movies but um that's except did she stop she was in the final did she keep going I think she finished you know the celebrities they're everywhere if you're in the right <laughs> place exercising but you just have yeah, to congrats, recognize them. Yeah. I do want to say congrats to my sister congrats to Hannah for her finish there and um I did enjoy I actually did watch New York City Marathon in the morning and it got me very motivated. Like it, it, I mean, there is something about watching those major marathons and like the coverage. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so, and the women's race was so fantastic. Um, Saturday, Ironman Florida happened. I'm like working backwards here. Fantastic racing there as well. Um, Heather Jackson took that win. Sky Monch second, Laura Zimmerman third. Um, what looked like a very crazy swim. Like I was a little bit jealous. I wasn't there. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I would enjoy that. But, um, but it, you know, the conditions there looked like 
pretty tough, but incredible racing. And then moving back even further, you have Friday, Abu Dhabi, the World Triathlon Championship Series race there for um, both the elites and the and then pair try. Like it was a big, big weekend. And so if anyone is looking for things to watch and missed it, like if you don't mind spoilers, like go ahead. Like you can go find all those streaming of all that online and um, could make for some good trainer entertainment if you uh, have some not so perfect weather in the next couple weeks, months. <laughs> Very true. I, I am soaking in the last of this weather as I am in LA for one more day before I head back to New England and I think back to some chillier temperatures, but um, really fun racing. It was, thanks for giving me some updates. I, I know I have, uh, I'll be putting on the streaming as I'm on, probably on the trainer later this week. Yeah. And, um, and then also this week, um, I mean, this week is another big weekend, but one of the things that's big is the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We've been talking about this quite a bit and it's finally happening and um, you can still sign up outspokensummit.com. It's happening Friday, uh, November 12th through Sunday, the 14th. And, um, again, like the keynote speakers at this year's event will be Katie Zafiris, the silver and bronze medalist from Tokyo. I'm like, make sure I get all of her medals in there. Um, she's doing the opening keynote, which is actually available for anyone to watch on Friday, November 12th. I think it's happening at 5 PM mountain time. You can watch it on the feisty media YouTube channel or the outspoken Facebook page. That one's free to watch. But if you sign up for the actual, the whole event, you'll get to see Katie. Um, you can hear other keynotes by Sika Henry, Khadija Diggs. Khadija was the outspoken woman of the year last year. And she's also the founder of the diversity, uh, inclusion syndicate and, there's also, I believe, a two-part workshop with Dr. Lisa Ingerfield and Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold. Um, you've probably, I think we've had Lisa at least on our on the podcast here, and then they also host the Outspoken Unfazed podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, Catherine Bettine, another stand, the author of Stand, who was a guest on our show, she's presenting Nicole Lavoy, who is the director of the Tucker Center for Research on Girls and Women in Sport, which if you're familiar with like when the Tucker Center comes out with that report card on like NCAA sports and they give, you know, as far as like women coaching in NCAA and they give like different grades to different institutions. And it's usually a little bit depressing when you see so many Fs. Um, and that, that's that's who puts that together, the Tucker Center. So Dr. Nicole Lavoie um, should be a really interesting one just to hear more about her research. Um, and then always USA Triathlon is usually involved. And I think this year they have Nellie Viner, who's the chief counsel at USA Triathlon, um, presenting. So that was just a few, but... Um, definitely outspokensummit.com. You can sign up anytime throughout the weekend uh, because everything is recorded. So if you listen to this on Saturday and you're like, oh, I wish I missed that. You know, I wish I'd seen that. You can still sign up, see the recording on your own leisurely time, or you can sign up and watch everything live, uh, which is fun. And then um, on Saturday, also at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, the Women in Triathlon Awards. Um, our very own Alyssa Gadeski is a finalist. And so you want to tune in. It'll be on the Outspoken Facebook page. If you're not part of the summit, you can watch it. Anyone can watch it for free. So tune in 5 p.m. Mountain Time, Saturday the 13th. Let's see if if Alyssa wins social media <laughs> woman and of the see, year. Yeah, let's we uh, we don't need Do to you know who you're up against. Like, I need I have to no like, idea. <laughs> no I'm idea. like, I, need, I, I need don't to, know like, the details. I forgot I was, to check before, like, I haven't seen the <laughs> finalist announcements. Um, yeah, I still need to come back. I don't know if that's been, if it's all, like, out yet. I don't know. I have to catch up with the real world this weekend and assess. Um, yeah, I'm, like, looking at the... big weekend. I know. I'm, okay, like, I've heard of a few people who were nominated, but I don't know if there's, like, a huge list of the finalists. Like, I'm not seeing it on, at least on the Outside of Women and Try Instagram page. But um, let me watch them for that. Not, maybe it's like a secret who the finalists are and secret who the winner is. But um, I'm going to be tuning in. I'll be rooting for you, Alyssa. Thanks, Haley. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, and so what were you doing this week? Like, I, I haven't, do we have are you extending your season past becoming the seventh place LA tri champion? Are we 
you know, taking a little break before you ramp up for your world championships in May training? What's what's going on with you? Yeah. So I actually, I did sign up for a race. I signed up for Indian Wells 70.3. Um, I have not booked any travel, so... <laughs> See if this happens. Um, I just canceled all like, my travel for that, so I should have. Just you were gonna go? Well, I had like a thought at some point, like, oh, maybe, like, maybe that was far enough out that I would be like feeling good and recovered from Lyme and able to do it. And then I still like, yeah, especially after this weekend where I was definitely not running um, as quickly as I would need to to be competitive at that oh. race. I was like, eh, it seems like a large amount of investment to make in a race that I will not be able to compete as much as I would like to win. So, so yeah, I won't be going, but, um, I did, I liked, we both raced there in 2018, right? Yeah. And that was a really, I liked that race a lot. I would love to return there at some point and Palm Springs is fun. It's never a bad destination in December. Right. No, like it's beautiful. And the weather is usually fantastic. And you know, I love a cold water swim and like, that's usually the deterrent for everyone else there. But I'm like, please throw some ice in there. Um, and so I, I signed up, um, yeah, like too bad you can't transfer like airline. (laughs) No, but I got to figure out the details. The (laughs) details are yet to be figured out on all of this. This is pro, this is definitely insider look at pro life, but, um, I mean, I, I am thinking of it, I'm thinking of it like as like a, you know, January, February, March race kind of like how I would normally where I'm like, okay, rust buster. I mean, I guess that's what LA try was too. Um, again, my goal is to be at my best in May. I know this is a non-traditional path. Like a lot of, I took, I was really tired in the middle of the summer. And so after Slovakia, the Collins cup is kind of when I took some downtime. And so I'm kind of building back and, um, it's a little weird, you know, like it's weird because I'm so used to doing a calendar year and with the time change and everything. And I'm like, oh my goodness, now I'm ramping up and there's less daylight. What is happening with my life? But you know, it's, it's a season of life and it's a great opportunity. And I just, you know, hopefully I can be on that start line in St. George on May 7th, knowing that like I did everything I could to be ready on that day, um, for me. And so part of that is like maybe doing some like quote unquote, early season races that are now in December. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love it. Good. I think that'll be, um, I think that's a good race for you. So, um, that's exciting to hear. And I will gladly cheer you on as you continue to do training into December. Um, I'm bummed. I won't. I I know it can be tough, but yeah, I know, I know. know. We could have done another like uh, post race, like also because I, that tennis center would be perfect for post race. Like we could have like had a beer and like set up on like a tape. I mean, it is like in a tour. I feel like when I did that before, it was like, they were like, this is the shower that Venus Williams showered in after she could be like, I remember seeing like signs like that and being like, oh, this is lovely, like nice. Yeah. It is it a, a very great it was a nice place experience. To a place finish. to race. Yeah. yeah. For sure. a, there's like so many bathrooms and they're all and so it's- clean. It's just like it is it is fantastic as a venue. Yeah. But um no, I know that would have been fun. Well if you change your mind, you know, just throw it out there. Maybe that's like <laughs> since we don't have mailbag this week. Um, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to vote, should Alyssa come to yeah. Indian Wells? <laughs> like maybe you could do like a, we could do like a GoFundMe or something like that to yeah. have Alyssa come out to Indian Wells, do the race just so we can record afterwards. <laughs> the flights into Palm Anyone? Springs. What made me actually like really consider it a little while ago was that the flights into Palm Springs directly were actually quite affordable, which like never, I feel like happens. So pro tip Haley, make sure you check that as an, usually mm-hmm. I never even check the small airports, but it did seem like that was almost like something that was feasible, right? More than it normally was. So it's like, eh, it makes like the logistics of quite a bit easier if that was the case. But, um, but if nothing else, I'll be cheering from afar. Sponsor Alyssa's trip to Indian Wells in our <laughs> post-race podcast. Um, I mean, people loved it when we did it in Coeur d'Alene, but it true. is it's a little true. hard to pull off. Yeah. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm glad you're recovering from your race weekend. And and then another thing, the big thing that's happening this coming weekend, though, also is the NCAA triathlon championships. So I'm super excited about this. I just spent some time on all the websites this morning could not figure out if it's actually live streaming. So, um, I apologize for not getting that information before we recorded, but if we, if we do find it out, we will update in the show notes and make sure everyone knows, but, um, they are happening this Saturday in Tempe, Arizona. And 
we followed NCAA triathlon as or triathlon as an NCAA women's sport for since 2014, I think is when it became an emerging sport. And just to recap, they need 40 teams by 2024 to become like a full competition sport where they, um, I think are counted in all the different, like, what is it? The director's cup awards and, and it will like sustain itself. So they have until 2024 to get 40 teams and Alyssa, they're already at 37. So close. Yeah. So, close. so it's so, it. it's so exciting. And I don't believe like they didn't lose any teams during the pandemic. So there is like a lot of buzz and excitement for triathlon as an NCAA sport. And, and I'm excited. I mean, I think, I, I'm a big fan of, of collegiate sports. It's where I got my, you know, my real competitive juices going, competitive start, kind of like jump started my career. And so I just I am a fan of that as far as like sport and life. You learn a lot of lessons. So anyway, I'm very excited. I will be like tracking as much as I can. But if anyone's in Tempe, um definitely head down to Tempe Town Lake on Saturday. You have division three, division two, division one, all racing. I think it starts at eleven thirty. Um, and goes into the afternoon, you know, lots of racing to watch, just draft legal, fast and furious sprint distance. So fun. But to celebrate that this week, we are talking to Kinsey Lane, who is the head coach at Colorado Mesa um, University and she in Grand Junction, Colorado. And some of you might remember Kinsey. We had her on as a pro triathlete uh, in, I think the episode aired in February of 2020. And we talked about all of her plans for 2020, which didn't happen. So Kinsey talks about the pivot, which included taking this job as the head coach at Colorado Mesa, um, getting into NCAA triathlon coaching. And so Kinsey kind of gives us a, a really good insider look into the world of NCAA triathlon, what it takes to put a team together, what their training is like, and, what she thinks about Colorado Mesa's chances leading into this weekend's NCAA triathlon championship. So we'll have our conversation with Kinsey right after the break. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too. And that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Haley, have you ever realized that skincare is an all season job? It really is, Alyssa. Winter can be just as harsh on my skin as the summertime sun. I rely on Zelio skincare products to get me through every season here in Montana. My favorite winter products are the body lotion, lip protection, and of course, Betwixt chamois cream. Mine too. And our Iron Women listeners can also stock up on Zelio's products for the season ahead. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 15% off. That's right. Get 15% off at teamzelios.com using code IRONWOMEN. The Iron Women podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hi, Kinsey. Welcome back to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It's good to be with you guys again. Yes. And the last time we talked, it was, I think, early 2020, February 2020. The world was a much different place. <laughs> you were coming off a winter job at UPS and you were looking forward to the 2020 triathlon season. And obviously, a lot, a lot has changed since then. So now we're talking to you as the head coach of the Colorado Mesa women's NCAA triathlon team. We're recording this just days after your team's win of the Division II West Regional in St. George, Utah, and ahead of the upcoming national championships in Tempe, Arizona. On They're happening on Saturday, November 13th. So this isn't your first time as a collegiate coach. You'd previously coached swimming at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, but how does collegiate triathlon coaching compare? 
It is so much fun. You guys can probably imagine like the difference between uh, working with this age level of athlete is so much fun. You're, they're like pushing themselves in all areas of their life. They're super passionate about what they're doing, what they're studying, their sport. Um, and so coaching any sport, I think at this age level is fun, but it's so different coaching triathlon because almost every session that we do, it's just like playing. My whole job is to just get them outside and show them all of the amazing things that Western Colorado has to offer. So we just go on bike rides and go on runs and I take them on trail runs and try to show them as many new things while preparing them for racing as I can. So you do some of the workouts with the athletes. I do all of the sessions with them. Um, I coaching is my priority, so I'm not there to get a workout in. And so a lot of times we do brick sessions where I'm driving their shoes out to a certain location. So I don't do every minute of workouts that they do. And then of course I'm on the deck when they're swimming, but I am on the bike, every bike session and running with them every run session. As you were saying that I was like inside my anxiety, it was like rising because I was like, oh man, Kinsey's got to be fit enough to like keep up with some of these women. <laughs> That's like panic inducing. <laughs> when I came in last spring, I felt like obviously that wasn't an issue at that point because then I was still thinking maybe I'll still do some racing and even early, yeah, early last year, early, um, or early this year, I mean, early last school year, um, I was thinking that I would still do some racing this summer. And so I was in pretty good shape. And then as the summer went on, I decided, well, I think I need a little break and got into some gravel racing, stepped back a little bit from running. And so coming in this fall, that has been a shock. I'm, I'm not faster than our fastest runners anymore and am struggling on some of their sessions to keep up with them. So there have actually been a few run sessions where I feel like I'm a little more effective with coaching if I'm on a bike because I can get to different groups. So I've been able to save face by hopping on a bike those sessions. There's always some secret, maybe off the record, we can talk about the, the secret ways because e-bike camps in there. E times. I know that. Yeah, that's true. You could, I'd get to a camp and be like, I don't know if I can keep up with the fast group today, but str strategy kind of comes into play with some things, but yeah. Yeah. I can see an e-bike or a moped in my future. Maybe. Yeah. I just think this is amazing because I can't think of, uh, like really any other collegiate sport where the coach is actually practicing with you. I mean, my, some coaches in college were not jumping in the water with us. <laughs> I mean, they mm -hmm. were fit, but yeah. like not necessarily like collegiate athlete fit. And even for triathlon teams, that's probably still, I mean, a lot of triathlon coaches could be plenty able to coach, right. Without ever doing the workouts with, with them. So you are probably a bit of a unicorn able to do a bit of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I like being out there. Obviously I think the more I can see, the better I'm able to coach them. And there's a wide variety of people coaching collegiate triathlon. And I know that not everyone is out there with their athletes. I, I hope that that's like an, an advantage or a benefit to the athletes that I get to be out there and just see a little bit more of it and um, hopefully can give them better feedback on how they're communicating with each other or working together. And I rely well, on, you the know, they aren't making up. The, the conditions if there's a or I was like if yeah. I say like that a story about the headwinds and you're like I was there wasn't that bad <laughs> but Kinsey tell us a little bit about how NCAA triathlon qualification works does the win in St. George mean that your team has qualified for the NCAA championships we have qualified for the NCAA championships but it wasn't necessarily based on our win in St. George it the the qualifications this season are a little bit more complicated than they've been in the past. So typically in the past, there have been four regional qualifying events and the top two teams from each of the three divisions gets an invite. So you would just have to get first or second at any regional qualifier, and then you'd be invited to nationals. This year, um, because so many of the new teams that are popping up are on the East Coast, they were a little bit worried about that East Regional Qualifier being stacked and that maybe 
you know, the third best team in the country is at the East regional qualifier. That's the only race that their team has the budget to go to. And then them not getting an invite to nationals because that was the only qualifier that they went to. There was also a regional qualifier that got canceled. So we were down to three regional qualifiers. And so they came up with this um, interesting strategy where each of the regional qualifiers, they would take the top three individual times, they would average those times, give that a score of 100, and then score each individual's race based on that. So, you know, a lot of people in the 90s, 80s. And then at the end of the entire season, they look back and they take the team's top four individuals from any of the qualifiers. So we we raced at East Regional Qualifiers and got second there. So we could have had two of the scores from East Regional Qualifiers combined with two scores from the rest, West Regional Qualifier combined to make up our four. Um, it didn't end up working that way. Our scores from East Regional were better. So all of our scores came from that. Um, but for Division Two, so now I'm speaking Division Two, they take the top four individuals, and Division Three, they take the top four individuals. For Division One, they take your top five, and they add these scores together, and then they just invite the top eight teams in the country. Okay, wow. So that is a little complicated. Were you following? Yes, and you're like trying to figure <laughs> out. So how many how many athletes will you be taking to the national championships? from Colorado Mesa. Oh, okay. So so I should have said then. So any of the teams that get the invite to nationals, the top eight teams from division one, top eight from division two, top eight from division three, that get an invite to nationals based on their either five or four individual scores can then take seven athletes. So each team gets to take seven athletes to nationals. After that, it becomes less complicated. Once we are at nationals, um, you can race with your seven. Division one scores um, your top five. Division two scores top four. Um, And it's just like cross-country running where they just add your places together. So first place gets one point, second place gets two points, and so on down the line. And then the team with the lowest score wins. And also like in cross-country, our um, athletes that aren't scoring, so for Division Two, that is five, six, and seven, they can displace athletes oh. from other teams and push them down. Wow. So there's a lot of strategy. And then as a coach, you're trying to pick those seven. That has to be hard. It is what you're doing hard. Right now. Um, yeah, we, we have a bigger team than most. We have a roster of 15 where most collegiate teams are some of them don't even have seven there i i would say the typical team is between six and nine so we're on on the high end we have eight athletes that are very very similar and of those eight i would say if you if you put them in a race any one of them could win on a given day which is a good problem to have. It makes practice fun and exciting because we have this group that can work so well together, but tough decisions and conversations this week. So in 2019, this is before you were coaching at Colorado Mesa, the team finished fourth <clears throat> at the NCAA championships with Queens University of Charlotte that took mm-hmm. the division two crown. So just a couple of weeks ago, your team finished second to Queens at the East regional qualifier in Virginia that you mentioned. So does the team have any specific goals mm-hmm. headed into this championship race? And even though the sport is fairly new, are there any fun rivalries you can tell us about? Um. I think we're competitive with all, with all of the other teams. Um, a lot of the athletes on our team raced junior elite. And so a lot of them know the names of the other athletes. Or, you know, they're all like scoping out the competition the same way that we did with long course try. And they know each other and kind of know what to expect. Um, probably the team that we're closest with, not necessarily in ability, but we kind of have a a friendship with and a a friendly rivalry with is Black Hills. And in 2019, we beat them at the Western Regional Qualifier. And then when it counted at nationals, they beat us. 
Um, so I'd say that that's the team that we have been closest with in the past. This season we are um, we're doing really well. We're going to go into nationals ranked second. So we have our sights set a little bit higher than fourth. And um, yeah, I, I don't like I don't want to put too much pressure on the team, but it's not impossible that they could be racing for the win in 10 days. And it wouldn't even take a miracle. It would just take them continuing to do what they've been doing all season, which is working together, supporting one another and racing to their abilities. So it's going to be a fun, fun one to watch. That's so exciting. Um, and for our listeners who might not know, NCAA triathlon is a sprint distance. So the athletes are competing on a 750 meter swim, a 20 kilometer bike and a five kilometer run course and drafting is allowed on the bike. So can you tell us about like the training for this type of race? Obviously, you know, it's pretty, it's almost, you know, it's still triathlon, but it's like almost a different sport than long course triathlon, right? So more intensity, more skills, you know, how do you kind of manage that? It, it is so different and I'm still learning. It's been, it's been fun to be in this whole new world. Um, it's a lot more heavily weighted on the swim. You have to be a good swimmer it's going to be really hard for you to be competitive at the national level. If you're not in that front pack for the swim, um, you get out with a group. And even if you're a weaker cyclist, you can just kind of sit in. Um, you can't, you can't be a, a low level skilled cyclist though, because it is very technical. You're working with a group. So there's a lot more communication that happens. And then um, just like, just like ITU or Olympic distance triathlon, they're just more heavily weighted on the swim and the run than they are on the bike. So they have to be fast swimmers and fast runners. And those are the people that seem to have success in this style and this distance of racing. And so as a coach, I, I um, am looking for those people to recruit, which is kind of fun because you get to look at people that come out of high school, maybe that don't have triathlon experience, but have that strong swim run background. One of our better athletes on the team right now, um, her first triathlon she did this summer, and there's a good chance that she could be top five at nationals in a few, in 10 days. And so can we put it in perspective for people listening? Like when you say you have to be a good swimmer, right? What kind of um, not even for like the 750 meter swim, because that's hard to do the conversions in your head, but like you're at practice with these women you know, what is your like fast lane swimming workouts intervals on for hundreds kind of thing? Um, they can hold hundreds on one tens. Like they, th these would be people and, and we are talking division two. So I think division one, it's an even, even higher level of swimmer that makes that front pack. And so people, people that could, you know, walk on to a division two collegiate swim team um, five, five twenty or faster in the five hundred free. Is and that's who's yards be in that group. Is that yes, yards? Okay, and it you kind of mentioned some of the training. It sounds like most of the training is done in in groups. Do athletes train on their own ever? <clears throat> they do. So just knowing as a coach, knowing that everyone is coming from a different background with their different unique strengths, the the plan that I write each week is kind of the minimum. Here's what everyone is going to do together. And then athletes communicate with me to add on on top of that. So a lot of people will add in additional swims each week, additional runs each week. Um, since our season is so, so short, mid-August to mid-November, I tend to be pretty conservative on the run, just knowing that we have that short amount of time if they were to get injured. That's not enough time to come back and still have a season. So I would rather keep them low as a team. And then if they're people that know that they can handle that, know that they can handle that and have a hist more of a running history, they can add on to that. And another difference of the team aspect of NCAA triathlon, you know, or another difference is that team aspect, right? So when we think about the cycling portion, you know, they're all out there in a pack, but it's like, you know, are my friends from my school here? Like who's with me? So are athletes from other schools working together since drafting is allowed on the bike? 
Yes, and that is why we have had success this year as a team. We are a team that doesn't have a superstar. We don't have one person that's much better than the rest, but we have a group of people that work really well together that in a lot of the races this season, they've been able to find each other uh, in the bike and work together and manage those packs because it's not even just about, you can be in a, a group alone but if you're able to communicate with those people and work with them, you can still have success. So they kind of become the leaders of whatever bike group they're in and get people going, get people actually moving around and doing their share at the front um, and, you know, communicating through technical portions like turns where they're at so that they can get through that safely. And you mentioned traveling to Virginia. What is it like to travel as a team to these races, even to St. George? That's, I mean, it's not as far, but um, I, I mean, you have at least seven athletes with a lot of gear. How do you do it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would challenge you and your listeners to just imagine, you know, if you've ever traveled, if you've ever flown to a race, now imagine having seven bikes. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's madness. You just show up, you show up everywhere early. You plan that things are, are going to take longer than they should and that it is not going to be perfect. That race went so well for, or that, that whole trip, that trip and that race went so well for us because our team went in knowing there are parts of this that are not going to be ideal. There are things that are going to go wrong and we're going to to handle it, handle it when it comes and keep a positive attitude. And they did. And that's why that trip went so well for us because everything was complicated. We were flying Southwest and that was the week after all of those weekend flights had been canceled. So we were still not sure that we would even get to go to the race. Like, will we even make it there? Both of our flights there were delayed. So we didn't end up getting to the hotel until 2 a.m., and we flew to Raleigh and then had to drive another two and a half hours up to the race site the next day. And then it was race, get in the car, drive back to Raleigh, woke up at 3 a.m. to fly out Sunday morning with their with our eight people in their seven bikes. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be possible with a team that didn't have a good attitude. They're just flexible and nice people. So they're patient with one another and patient with me. Do you have a mechanic that travels with you or that is at the race site or is, are, are, are the athletes doing their own bike building and breaking down? They are. Yeah. They, if they don't know, they learn that they, they have teammates that can teach them. I'm there. I can do the basics. The, Thankfully, we have an athlete on our team who's one of our better athletes who is very skilled in bike maintenance. She's built up a bike completely from the ground up. So she's been very helpful to me just in, in assisting when they're breaking down and packing bikes in a large group like that. It's just another uh, set of eyes making sure that things are being done correctly. A lot of them have done this before. So they're practiced. and. Uh, if they aren't, they're getting practice now. They're learning. These are impressive life skills that these 18 to 22 year olds are learning. I mean, I feel like, like when I learned to build, mm -hmm. a, you know, travel with a bike, I felt like it was a very empowering thing and I was a little bit older. So it's, that's kind of a cool, a cool mm -hmm. bonus of being an NCAA triathlete. It is. Um, it, you know, they are on road bikes, which are a little bit, they're a little bit less complicated than tri bikes, but still a huge feat for an 18 year old. We have a 17 year old on the team. So um, yeah, she's still a child and she's away from home and traveling with the team and doing all of these big things on her own. I do feel like I won the lottery with this team specifically, that they are all very independent. They don't, they don't need very much handholding as I mentioned before, they're so nice to each other. They're just really good people. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that this team in the past has been through a lot of coaching changes that I am the third head coach. They, 
not neglected. They just have been through a lot of change and in that learn to just rely on each other, which makes my job easier. And you let us know that prior to this interview, you had been spending today with a recruit. So I imagine that's a pretty special process because it sounds like you'd want people who are coming on board to really fit in with this group that you care so much about and you find as like such a special unit. So can you talk about that and how it relates just, you know, I guess also just the triathlon recruiting process in general? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned about like the type of people that I look for, um, Junior elite triathlon is a thing in the United States. If people, if your listeners don't know that, it is. Um, it there there are places in the United States where that is um, well participated in, and other parts of the United States where that doesn't exist at all. The West Coast seems to be a place where there isn't a lot of opportunity for young people to get into draft legal triathlon. Um, and the number of draft legal triathletes graduating each year is not enough to field teams for all of the collegiate triathlon teams. So people are looking at single sport athletes or people that are coming from a swim run, run background who are maybe interested in triathlon and want to get started. So those are the type of people that I, you know, we're, we're looking at a wide range of people um, to at least put that into their mind, like, would you be interested in this? And um, how can I, how can I convince you that this is something you want to do? Like we've been talking about, the culture on my team right now is incredible. I don't feel like that's it, any, or I feel like that has very little to do with me. That's them, and this 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 culture that they built and they've maintained, and now I do feel the weight of keeping that going. That's going to be the most important part. I think when I'm recruiting people is that they fit in well with the team. And that's not always easy. You have to get those people here and actually get them interacting, get them actually interacting with the team to see, do they fit? And then hopefully the team can give me honest feedback about how those interactions went. And is this someone that, you know, that they can trust to be on a bike in front of them and, you know, point out things and doing intervals fast that they, they have to rely on each other to keep each other safe. And so they, yeah, they just have to trust each other. Do most of these athletes, do they reach out to you or do you find them? I was poking around the USA triathlon NCAA website and I saw something about the high school combine. And I was just curious if that was actually like in happening. I spent last spring reaching out to a lot of people, just finding people's contact information and reaching out to them first with a very little success. Zero success, actually. I don't know that I got... Are you, do you go through like swimming results, like swim meet results, running meet results, junior elite, triathlete, triathlon results? Is that where you're trying to find these names? Yes, there are also recruiting websites and the recruiting websites don't have triathlon specifically listed as a sport, but a lot of times you can look and see swimmers who have, who also do cross country running or swimmers who also do track and you can filter it that way. And they're able to like write, it's the athletes that create their recruiting page. Um, there's a specific one that I'm thinking of. They create their own page so they can put like, they've done a triathlon or they're interested in triathlon. And so I've, I've at least started communication with some people through websites like that, where I've had the most success is people reaching out because they're the people that are already interested in Colorado Mesa. They have already been to our school website and something about that appealed to them. And so that's where I've had the success in recruiting is people that reach out to me first. And what about triathlon scholarships? Are they available at Colorado Mesa? They are. Yeah, we're a, we're a fairly well-funded Division II team. We're not fully funded. So I, I actually do not know what the funding level is for Division I, but to be considered fully funded for Division II, that's four and a half scholarships. We're not there, um, but we do have some money to hand out. Most of our team is on some scholarships. 
And so do you have tips for athletes or parents who are interested in NCAA triathlon, but they might not be coming from a specific triathlon background and they don't really know where to start. Should they go to the website and reach out to you? Yes, always. Like don't, do not be afraid to reach out to college coaches. And that goes for any high school athlete in any sport. I came from a very small high school. I did not know how that was done and neither did my high school guidance counselor. They did not know how to get high school athletes in, into college teams. And so I didn't get a lot of guidance there, but my recommendation to any high school athlete that's interested in participating in any college sport is reach out, reach out to the coach, make a connection, keep reaching out that as college coaches, we have a lot of hats to wear. And if someone doesn't contact you back right away, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not interested. So reach out and keep reaching out. And the people that I get really excited about recruiting are the ones who keep me updated, that send me results every time they do a race, whether that's a swim meet or a cross country race, because that's showing me that they're interest they're really interested in us and they care enough to keep that relationship going um so just communicate as much as you can and can, don't be afraid to kinsey i imagine that you've shared like some of your background well hopefully all of your background with your athletes right in terms of racing and stuff and you know thinking about triathlon it's so unique in that a lot of college sports athletes are kind of done like for one reason or another at you know, graduation from college, it's like, you know, I never want to see the bottom of a pool again, or I never, you know, I hear these things from my friends who competed collegiately in like the single sport. Right. But a lot of times there's not necessarily even like a huge post-collegiate place for them to go. Whereas with triathlon, it's like, that's a sport that skews heavily towards like post-collegiate life, whether you're doing it super competitively or not. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, do they get, do you feel like a lot of them have inklings to get into a long course or even just still be competing, you know, draft legal racing after they're done with college. Like, is that something you're kind of hopeful for? I'm very hopeful that they want to continue on. And I'll just say my, my experience in swimming and as a swim coach is that a lot of swimmers that come to college swimming by the time that they're 18 and get to that level, they're already burnt out and um, a lot of them are injured and sometimes it's just kind of managing their injury or or their burnout through that four years, unfortunately. And you don't get a lot of athletes that come out of that four years more fired up and excited about swimming specifically than they do when they come in. And I really want my athletes to have a different experience that my my number one priority is their physical and mental health and their longevity in the sport. So I do want to, if, you know, fan that flame and hopefully get them thinking about triathlon far into the future and different, different disciplines of racing. Um, any, any of the athletes that go to school here that are that mountain bike or that are interested in mountain biking um, in the off season, I try to get them on running on trails and mountain biking as much as possible. We have world-class mountain biking here in Grand Junction and in Fruta. Um, so just keeping them interested and hopefully more excited about this sport. Yeah. So tell us about this off season because the NCAA season, as you mentioned, is fairly short. And what happens after these championships? Do you continue coaching, giving guidance? I mean, it sounds like you give some, but are you allowed to officially, do you have like any sort of organized workouts? Would your athletes compete in any non-NCAA races? Yes. So they are allowed to compete unattached um, outside of our season. The championship season, like we've talked about, is August to November. But we are actually allowed to practice. The, the NCAA limits us to 20 hours of practice per week. So even in our most intense weeks, we can't go over that number. In our off season, we drop down to eight hours per week, but we have a hundred and it's a hundred and forty four day season that we can practice twenty hours a week, which takes which you can imagine that takes you beyond November. We can go all the way to March practicing twenty hours a week, and so this year for the first time, 
we will extend our season into the spring and we're going to go do Claremont in March, which is a uh, huge race. And some other college teams have um, found room in their budget that they're going to go to Claremont too. So we want to be with them in that in the spring. And then once we, once we hit that line of 144 days, we'll drop down to eight hours. And um, I think I'm going to heavily skew that towards the weekend so that we can get out and do some fun adventures outside of town. And that's like team oriented workouts, right? And I mean, athletes, you probably are, are you allowed to give guidance for outside the eight hours if people wanted to do more? Yes. So in that off it, in that season when we drop down to eight hours, I am allowed to continue to write them training plans. They have to ask for it. So I can't tell them what to do or ask them to report back to me. But if they ask for specific things, I'm allowed to give them workout. If they wanted to go on a ride with me in the summer, they can they can ask me, but I'm not supposed to ask them. Um, things like that. We just can't train as a group in the summer. And what about your own, uh, your own athletic career? You mentioned a little bit like uh, the potential of, uh, of racing last summer and then doing gravel races instead. Are, you know, what are you doing? Are you, do you plan to race any pro triathlon races, long course races this summer? Or are you inspired and re- jumping in some draft legal races? <laughs> I feel like I should start doing some draft legal racing just so that I could be in that world even a little bit more. And, um, you know, speak with more more education when I'm coaching them, but not anytime soon. No draft legal for me, not yet at least, but maybe they can convince me. Um, and to be determined about long course try, I, the last time we spoke, I was, I was training full-time. It was the end of January, 2020, and I went full-time into triathlon. And I still believe that if I wanted to be really, if I wanted to continue to improve on my results from 2019, I would need to commit to triathlon at a higher level than I was in 2019. And I can't do that now. My job is a lot more than full time. I work 10 to 12 hours a day. I haven't had a day off in, I don't even, six weeks, probably. I, I work through the weekends typically. Um, and I love it. It's it it doesn't seem like that much work because I'm I'm having so much fun doing it. And if I were to commit to triathlon, even at the level that I was doing it in 2019, I would not be able to spend the time that I am spending right now on coaching. And I'm just I'm having too much fun right now. That being said, um, Iron Man is going to have their first event in the state of Alaska next summer. So I registered as an age grouper for Ironman Alaska next August. Oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah, I'll be doing a triathlon fun. again soon. Oh, but, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been saying I'll be a, a participant rather than a competitor. Oh, I, I mean, I, I've seen you participate. I think, I mean, I know it, it is, you don't lose it that quick, Kinsey. Also, I feel like that race in Juno is just going to be, I mean, it could be the conditions. It could, it could be a, a, a challenging in its own ways. <laughs> I haven't spent time there, but I've yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about it last time. You know, I like that. I know, so that's I'm right. You were getting for ready it. for uh, mm-hmm. Ireland. You were all psyched about that. Um, so Kinsey, the outspoken summit, it won't be in person in Tempe this year, but some of our listeners might be in Arizona and they might be able to watch the action on Saturday. Do you know any details about the start time or the format or what to watch in case anyone in our audience is able to follow the race in person? Yes, we, the division, the division two wave will be at one 30. You'll have to check the website for the other division. I should know that, but I've been fully focused on ours. So we're we're going to be at 1.30 on Saturday. There is age group racing that's happening before that. And then I think I think it goes division one, two, then three. Or it might be three, two, one. You'll have to check the website. But we are at 1.30. The best race, best race of the weekend will be going on then. Well, all the best to you and the team. Super exciting. And yeah, I'm just excited to see kind of 
what unfolds with NCAA triathlon with you racing in Alaska next summer. This is going to be really fun to watch it all unfold. So thanks for coming back and giving us this great insight. And we can't wait to see what happens again if we talk to you in another little bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And yep, it's going to be a good time in Tempe. So even if you can't make it, you should follow along. Hey, Haley, it's officially fall and I am drinking my noon hydration immunity. Haha, <laughs> Alyssa, I love a good pun and a good warm fall beverage, but can you tell me a little bit more about this new immunity three product? What does the three stand for? It stands for vitamins, electrolytes, and prebiotics, the three keys to staying healthy and hydrated this season. Noon Hydration Immunity 3 comes in Mandarin, Orange, and Superberry flavors. And all Iron Women podcast listeners can get 30% off Immunity 3 and the whole line of Noon Hydration products by using the code STAYFEISTY at NoonLife.com. Hey, everyone. This is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to OutspokenSummit.com. We hope to see you there. Thanks so much to Kinsey for coming back on Iron Women. And Haley, I know you were doing all of this research about uh, the races coming up. So who, like, who should we be cheering for? Who's the underdogs? What kind of, what teams are we looking for to be taking the win? Right. So the defending champions... Arizona State has won, I think, four in a row um, Division One national championships. So they are definitely a uh, Division One uh, team to beat. I think the University of San Francisco. So that is they have they've come on pretty strong. I think they just added their and like an NCAA varsity team in the last couple of years. Hired Gina Kerr as a coach, who is former pro triathlete um, and definitely are making a move. So I think, you know, it could be, could be very exciting in division one and then uh, division two, as Kinsey alluded, Colorado Mesa is making a run for it. Queens is the defending champion, but um, I mean, as you and I both know, triathlon often doesn't play out exactly how you, how you think it will. So uh, we, we do wish we have a little slight bias maybe after our conversation with Kinsey, but no, good. That's, I, I, you know, we always like the, um, the rivalries, but, uh, and then division three, North central college is the, they're the defending champs. They're also, I believe undefeated at the NCAA division three championship level. So, um, it will be fun to, to see those women compete as well. And so those that's, that's who historically has, has won. But again, the last national championship was 2019. So it's been a while. So exciting. Oh, I love it. I was in Tempe. It had to have been maybe 2014, 2015. Um, and I got to, I was helping coach the UVA team for like club, you know, um, club level. Um, and so I got to go and just kind of watch the races there. And I mean, so long ago, it feels like, but it was so fun. And I'm so glad that it's still just developing and making huge strides. And yeah, we need to, we need to make it an official NCAA sport here. So, um, fun races all, and we'll give everyone the recaps next week. We'll have to do some more research and dig in and hopefully the results are a little easier to find than some of this other information that Haley dug up for us. Yeah. Well, USA Triathlon actually does a really good job of, of kind of keeping track of things. So I definitely will put the links to the USA Triathlon websites in the show notes. And otherwise you can just probably Google on there and they should post the results. Um, I know I still don't know about live streaming, but if you are down at Tempe Town Lake, um, maybe ahead of Ironman, Arizona, you're down there. Um, definitely check it out. Division three starts at 1130 AM. Division two is at 115 PM. And then division one is at 3 PM. So kind of like you get to watch a whole day of triathlon, which is really fun. So, and good luck to anyone racing. I mean, I think again, it's, it's so fun to represent your school at, on such a big stage. All right, Haley. Well, 
keep on pressing for Indian Wells. I'm excited for you to be, you know, getting ready for that. And I feel like we should just rename all of the months ahead into like pretending May is October. So we'll, we'll <laughs> just count backwards. We'll pretend that now it's like springtime. This is great. You're ramping up and we're excited to go. I can't wait to keep cheering for you. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.